Welcome to the Ether. Today is Wednesday, October 26, 2022. Today on the Ether, Akash Weekly with Greg Asuri featuring James Friel from Axelar Network. Let's take a listen. Hey everyone, welcome to this week's Akash Weekly Twitter Spaces. I'm Nadia Bajuelo, Community Events Manager here at Overclock Labs. I hope all of you listening now or watching later are having a fantastic morning afternoon or evening wherever you're joining from as always thank you to you guys the amazing akash community there is so much that you do to share support and build this community i really love seeing the support among everyone in it our very own alani kuya put together a great video with very informative segments on our partners loving how cloudmos gave him some love on twitter and we're excited to help share out cloudmos's latest product update also special thanks again to praetor and their partnership in the development of the new akash edu program which we've pinned for you guys up at the top of the spaces room so check it out and get on the wait list and once again we had some threads and guides from the broader community you guys are so awesome these things happen weekly but it is not any less appreciated thank you guys keep deploying keep spreading the word and thanks for all that you do we've got two ways you can get involved with this amazing community right now first please smash those emoji buttons to show greg and our guests you're enjoying the time they're spending with us second Send in your questions for today's AMA segment. Get your questions in on today's spaces by requesting to speak. We'll then bring you up so you can ask your question. But once on stage, we ask that you please remain on mute and we'll call on you when it's your turn. If we don't bring you up right away, don't worry, we see you. It just means one of our speakers is still chatting with us. If you can't unmute, or you're in a different time zone, or you listen in later, you can always send your questions in on Twitter by replying to our Twitter Spaces thread in advance or during this Spaces call. And remember, you can also send your questions in ahead of time on Telegram. We've already got some in there this morning. Before Greg takes it away for updates, here are some things for you guys to check out during the week. Join our community on Telegram and Discord. Friday, SmartStake validators will be joining us on Telegram for an AMA at 9 a.m. Pacific, 300 AKT for the best questions. Over on Discord, look out for quizzes from Andre every Tuesday at 8 a.m. Pacific with 200 AKT in rewards and five winners. And this Friday on Telegram and Discord, we have a reading competition with a 200 AKT prize pool. Be sure to sign up for our newsletter at akashnetwork.substack.com. In the About page, our very own Zach Horn has got a link to our blog for you. You can also find the blog at akash.network blog. 
And while you're there, check out articles put together for you guys by Zach and keep an eye out for blogs by the rest of our team. Check out our YouTube channel. This week, Technical Program Manager Alani Kuya put together an amazing video on how the Akash ecosystem has grown and evolved over the past year. Check out the state of the Akash ecosystem, like, subscribe, and tap that bell icon. And while you're there, watch Alani walk you through your first deployment. You can get started deploying on Akash by checking out our documentation at docs.akash.network. And for more support along your Akash journey, the best place to go is our Discord. You'll find our Akash insiders and others ready to help. If you want to spread the word about Akash and help the project grow, learn more about becoming an Akash insider at akash.network community. And if you have an idea for a project, join our grant program. For details, check out our YouTube video on Akash Accelerator and visit akash.network slash akash dash accelerator. With that, let's get started with today's spaces. Greg will kick us off with updates and news. After updates, we'll give you guys a full introduction to our guest today, James Friel, Director of Business Development at Axelar. During our guest segment, we'll be talking to James about the latest at Axelar. We'll move on to a short discussion with both James and Greg on the importance of interoperability for Web3 to scale. And we'll wrap up with an AMA with Greg and our guest. As mentioned, we'll give a proper introduction and welcome to James just after updates. But for right now, let's hand it off to the man of the hour and CEO of Overclock Labs, Greg Osuri. Take it away, Greg. Sorry. Hey, thank you so much, Nadia. Really good to be back here for another set of amazing updates from Akash team. Love these community calls every week. We, without fail, we've been getting it out since July. It's been one of the best things that's been happening. So this week, uh, our big effort was to push mainnet forward. Yeah, it's coming in two weeks. We're on schedule. All bugs and all major issues have been resolved by the Akash core team, as well as the validators. Uh, we are also a uh, really cool thing. I think we uh, this uh, upgrade, we you know we were able to push a lot of uh, our technical agenda forward, right? So I mean, to remind folks what's coming, the big feature is really the IP address marketplace. This is the first ever open marketplace for IP addresses. Uh, there is in the world. It's very unique. Uh, and uh, now we're starting to scratch the surface from like, Hey, uh, you know, we always talked about getting to parity with the current cloud, but now we're starting to get into superiority sort of thing, right? So, yes, IP addresses are very integral to get to parity, but open IP addresses market is definitely non-existent and it's very unique to Akash. So we are really excited to uh, to the possibilities this new feature is going to bring. Right off the bat, I can think about incredible use cases, one being able to look uh, host full nodes like Solana or Bitcoin nodes where they require fixed ports or even amazing uh, uh, nodes like Urbit. Uh, so Urbit is an up-and-coming um, Web3 protocol. It's phenomenal. It's really built from ground up. They imagine how uh, data should be maintained. It does not have a token, so don't go ape into this, uh, this Urbit thing and probably get yourself in trouble by buying a fake one. But Urbit, I'm super bullish on. I always like the idea of owning my own data. Urbit is uh, sort of delivering that. And uh, Akash will be the first decentralized cloud to be able to run Urbit. So 
I think uh, with Mainnet 4, we're going to see a lot of new, interesting use cases I'm super excited about. Uh, we also happen to um, uh, use CosmoVisor. Uh, CosmoVisor is uh, a tool that's built to automate upgrades better. So the idea behind CosmoVisor is uh, you can have a uh, automated way for you to patch up for validators to essentially patch up this that makes us move faster for future upgrades. So we are able to successfully test CosmoVisor in in uh, uh, with this update uh, simulations. I'm I'm really excited to see CosmoVisor going to production in Akash. Uh, I believe uh, Osmosis is using CosmoVisor as well, so it's good to join the join the ranks. And uh, another uh, big update that we're uh, coming with for uh, minute four is is uh, is um, interchain accounts, right? So uh, I'm I'm really excited about interchain accounts. Interchain accounts allows any Cosmos or IBC chain to be able to perform op operations directly in Akash without needing an Akash account. So this is again another amazing step towards composability, uh, and and this is going to be very unique uh, in uh, in Cosmos ecosystem. So soon enough, you'll be able to see DAOs and Juno uh, directly deploy on Akash and DAOs, or even secret uh, smart contracts deploy directly on Akash. Now we get into privacy uh, for deployment. So we're going to open up a whole new set of opportunities for folks to develop on Akash with Mainnet 4. And we are two weeks uh, away, uh, away, uh, away from Mainnet 4. By this week end, we should have a proposal with the binary, with the code freeze, all re ready to go. So that's a big milestone. And then we all know it's a one week wait period for the proposal to pass through the governance. Once that happens, we'll be able to get Mainnet 4 in production. Again, minute four is one step towards what our next biggest update, perhaps since the launch of the protocol, which is going to be a GP GPU marketplace. And we've been talking about for years on out now, it's finally starting to come together. Uh, and minute four is the first prerequisite for us to be able to deliver the GP GPUs. The spec is ready, the work is happening. It's really exciting to see the GPUs working again. GPUs have been such an amazing, um, a resource that has always been constrained because of machine learning and AI. And we're seeing a lot of machine learning and AI uh, you know, uh, adoption happening. A lot of the stuff is happening from the art world, from the creator world. Uh, I don't know how many of you have been experimenting with playground AI or you know, uh, stable diffusion or WALL-E uh, to, so to, to generate images. I think uh, I'm starting to use it. I love it personally as a storyteller, as a creator, I think this text-to-image generation is going to uh, unlock a new era of art and, and, and creation, creativity. And this just needs a lot of compute. We, as a society, do not have enough GPUs to serve the needs of even immediate, uh, you know, immediate adoption for AI. So I'm, I'm super bullish on Akash supporting GPU GPUs, thereby giving a, 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 a world where we have AI that's much affordable, much cheaper. So I'm super excited. Uh, we've been talking to a lot of folks here. I think we're, um, I mean, it's, 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 it's such a uh, validation that we get on a daily basis from a lot of folks uh, using, uh, doing machine learning. And uh, I'm, I'm really stoked for machine so that's that's the that's coming up, and mainnet four is a precursor for 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 that. So I'm I'm one step closer to machine learning, and and, and it's very exciting. 
Um, from the ecosystems, CloudMoss has been amazing at uh, shipping features. They are not foreign to shipping features, but this new feature is really good. It's essentially alerts. In the generic, it's a generic alert system for all Cosmos chains, but in particular Akash, because of course CloudMoss is a Akash deployment tool. So one feature I've been always wanting is an ability to get a notification every time my deployments are going to go out of uh, are going to run out of funds and I need to top it up in order to keep my deployments open. So this feature allows me to do so. I get a nice email saying that hey, I'll be running out of I'll be running out of funds uh, and I may only have I don't know two days to left in my deployment. So go ahead and uh, deploy or you know deposit funds. I mean, it's basic features that you expect in a Web two system are missing in Web three and CloudMoss is uh, taking one step of bridging the gap, like engagement, the lack of engagement infrastructure in Web3 is extremely frustrating to for product builders, right? That causes a lot of churn. Churn is essentially people moving away from Akash because, you know, a big problem with Akash we see today is, so if I come and use an Akash, I deposit some some AKT tokens in the uh, in the escrow and I forget about it. I don't go check my deployments because, you know, I mean, I mean, so who does, right? Who does check on the deployments every day? And uh, more often than not, I forget that I need to deposit more. It's like parking meter. You forget to put more money in your parking meter. You're, you know, I always have a problem unless I put a timer or something, right? So this cloud mouse alert. Now, what happens if I run out is I, you know, I run out of money, the deployment goes away, and I have no idea why my deployment went away. And, you know, I end up being very frustrated with Akash because, you know, Akash effectively failed me, even though the you, the error is on the user. So CloudMoss Alert Systems allows us to be able to get a notification out to the user, uh, uh, you know, in uh, to prevent this. It's just like having your parking meter send you a notification every time you're running out of money, right? So just imagine how convenient a feature like that is going to be. And I'd love to see ecosystem take effort, take the lead to deliver such critical features for Akash adoption. And this is one of the critical things for Akash. Being a decentralized system it, uh, is that that we as a company, Overclock Labs, as a company that created Akash, does not have to be necessarily the company that evolves Akash. CloudMoss, Ferron, PixelR, a lot of amazing, amazing uh, tools uh, make Akash what it is. And and that brings to the Akash update Alani has been giving on YouTube. If you haven't, please go check it out. Alani gives you an amazing walkthrough end to end as to what's happening for ecosystem. Ecosystem one is one of the critical pillars for Akash. And a lot of the work, a lot of the features you're seeing on Akash these days is built by the ecosystem. While the core team focuses on core functionality, ecosystem focuses on all the uh, amazing user interaction functionality that gets Akash the adoption it deserves. So lots of really good updates. Go check out Alani's uh, amazing YouTube video uh, that he published last week to get a full length um, you know, uh, preview uh, of, uh, of everything that's happening on Akash. Uh, talking about ecosystem, Chia has been in the news recently for uh, the fact that World Bank is using are planning to build an open source carbon carbon uh, uh, you know offset registry on Chia. I mean, this is an amazing feat. Like, regardless of what you have, you know, from the political sphere or what, what World Bank is or what World Bank not, this is the first example of a major global institution embracing crypto for green. I mean, that's unheard of. And if any conversation you would have heard about 
European politicians, crypto is not green or not, you know, eco-friendly, but World Bank is using crypto for a, for tracking carbon credits. So this is a fundamental shift in conversation. And I think people don't talk about such important things because, oh, they think World Bank is evil, yada, yada, yada. It doesn't matter. If we want crypto and we want Web3 to have main uh, mainstream adoption, you need folks, uh, like institutional folks, adopting crypto for the right reasons. I think it's a wonderful, wonderful news for Korea, Chia to be able to uh, you know, penetrate. I think from a, I was thinking too, like from a positioning standpoint, this is fantastic, right? So any conversation right now that is, uh, you know, uh, that is happening at the political sphere, at the legislative and the regulatory sphere, a, a big part of that is why crypto is not uh, environmentally friendly, which is fundamentally wrong. Even if you strip down Bitcoin and if you can make the argument, you can justify it. But hey, using Chia and Chia being used to track Global uh, uh, carbon credit can be any better example as to how crypto is actually helping uh, not only green, but it's actually helping the world get green. So, which is amazing uh, news. Go check it out. It's on my Twitter. We, you know, it's also in our weekly blog that we do or a Twitter thread we do about all the updates. Go check it out from there. And uh, and I'm personally excited. And, and those of you that don't know Chia, a lot of the Chia miners use Akash and it's getting better and better. And also check out Evergreen Miner that's coming out. If you haven't, Evergreen is a miner a uh, that um, um, that uh, runs Akash that you can actually purchase and 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 uh, a plugin in your home. So when you're not using the miner, it essentially runs Akash software and it mines Chia for you. So it's it's amazing piece of uh, hardware. Uh, another is another I mean another example as to why in you know grassroots permissionless innovation really takes off. Uh, I'm getting, uh, I'm, I'm, I've seen it work. I'm actually going to uh, start mining a lot of Chia on Akash. Uh, and by the way, Chia is, uh, the Akash is the most optimal place to run Chia. So Chia has this concept of plots, which is which takes the computationally heavy uh, stuff away from the consensus mechanism. It makes it a lot more greener. Uh, and, uh, and, and the plots are essentially uh, are, uh, are the expensive ones. So if you try to plot on on the classic cloud, the traditional cloud, or the trad cloud, it costs about 40 cents on, on Akash, it costs about 10 cents. So Akash is the most cost-optimized platform to generate uh, Chia plots. Uh, go check it out. There is also a blog on Chia's website talking about how Akash is powering them, how Akash is uh, great for Chia. So yes, I love to see Akash-powered you know, applications like Chia, taking off uh, in, in World Bank, Akash is powering applications in DoD that's actually starting to gain a lot of steam. So Akash, as you can see, uh, is starting to play a very critical role in the future of mainstream adoption for crypto, which is really good news, right? And talking about our DoD, last week we did a wonderful spaces. If you had a chance to check it out, go check it out. It talks about uh, it's you know uh, we had the the marine officer who went and implemented Akash in the DoD, which ended up winning the hackathon. Talked about in detail as to how they were able to uh, use Akash, why they were they were using Akash and Secret Network, and a full length record on uh, on on uh, Twitter Spaces is beautiful just to see the use cases and also talking about potentially how future military 
a personnel can use a use a use a cache. So, and uh, another incredible application that uses a cache and secret net network is Alter DAP. Alter is, um, you know, um, um, uh, a a decentralized messaging system that uses Akash as uh, a secret for privacy and end-to-end -end encryption and Akash for for delivery of those messages, right? Uh, they've uh, made a lot of progress and uh, uh, go check it out. It's, uh, I think that they're, they're launching very, very soon. There's also a spaces on their, uh, on their, on their um, recent updates to, to give you a better idea as to what's happening. And finally, the most important, one of the critical, events that happened last week was DHH or uh, uh, DHH is the creator of Ruby on Rails, right? DHH, um, Ruby on Rails, for those of you who don't know, really built Web2. Like it is the uh, foundation that Twitter, Shopify, a lot of the websites that came after Facebook were built on, on Ruby on Rails, the technology created by DHH. Uh, so David here, uh, basically said, uh, wrote a blog post as to why they're leaving the cloud. It's amazing to see this because this is our thesis. Akash has been on this run as to why cloud is not the great, the traditional cloud is not the best for growth stage companies because they are, it is cost prohibitive, right? So cloud is great for bootstrapping. Uh, when you don't know what you're doing, it's great to get started. It's great to scale quickly. But once you have an idea, once you have consistency in your business operation, cloud gets gets very cost prohibitive. And DHS wrote an amazing blog post as to why. And he also uh, uh, he also talks about how the internet was built to be not centralized and how AWS and others are while they're raking in enormous profits, they're actually hurting the design of the web. I mean, this is if you look at. Any, if you read a white paper from 2018, the, the 17 timeframe, if you look at any of my talks that I gave uh, over these years, talk exactly what DHH has been talking about. And this is a proof point that there is a repatriation of the data center and folks like folks that built the web too are now moving away from the cloud to their own data centers. Of course, the challenge with moving to your own data centers is you lose a flexibility of being able to scale quickly and also have a more control on your costs. And that's where Akash comes into play. Akash lets you be sovereign at scale, right? So Akash lets, I mean, I'm going to repeat this because this is uh, going to be the tagline. I think very important. Akash lets you be sovereign at scale. So Akash lets you have your own data center and while being able to uh, you know, tap into a vast resource network of data centers that are available to you at your fingertips in a permissionless manner that is priced in an open setting. So price optimized scalability with sovereignty is what Akash really offers. And DHS blog post is an amazing testament and a validation of our thesis that we've been building for years and out. And that's going to be the trend, my friends. We're going to be able to move a lot of these Web2 workloads like DHS workloads onto Akash um, as soon as we get to maturity and it's starting to happen right now. So with that, I'm going to leave it to uh, Nadia here and welcome our uh, amazing guest, James, for the rest of the conversation. Thanks so much, Greg. 
Um, our special guest today is James Friel, Director of Business Development at Axelar. James has spent seven years in sales and operations with an MBA from the Tuck School of Business at Dartmouth and a BA from Trinity College. Before joining the Web3 world, he was Director of Partnerships at global media brand Time, with four years before that spent at Bloomberg. Welcome, James. How are you today? I'm doing well. Thank you guys for having me. Yeah, so excited to have you. Um, so one of, uh, one of the things Axelar has said is that using Web3 today is like sending email in the 80s. So we're super excited to hear about what Axelar is doing about that. Can you start us off with an overview of Axelar? What does Axelar do and why do you do it? Absolutely. Um, you know, we'll start high level and then, of course, let's get into it. But Axelar powers the cross-chain future by delivering secure cross-chain communication. And so what that really means is that, you know, decentralized application users can interact with any asset, any application on any chain with one click. You can think of it as the Stripe for Web3. Awesome, thank you. Can you walk us through your roadmap and where you're at today? In particular, you guys have hit many milestones in 2022 during a bear market. Could you share a few of those and why they're such big milestones? Yeah, absolutely. So XLR reached mainnet uh, in February of this last year. And part of the interesting thing that you know Axelar is rooted around is that we ourselves are a blockchain. So we are a blockchain connecting blockchains. And when a lot of people think of bridges and these intermediaries that are either able to pass assets or in some cases like Axelar, arbitrary messages, um, you know, they tend to have a centralized architecture. And so Axelar actually, you know, users, everyone can go to axelarscan.io. We have a public block explorer and see a lot of the developments here. Uh, so at the moment, we've connected 27 chains uh, a lot of Cosmos-based chains because we're a Tendermint SDK-based blockchain, uh, as well as EVM chains. So to date, we've processed over 260,000 transfers and almost 1.5 billion in volume. And we had our token launch on September 27th. So we have finally kind of taken that next big step towards being a you know permissionless set of validators that are validating these cross-chain messages. Really exciting stuff for us. Awesome. So most chains today drive innovation internally within their ecosystem first. How is Axelar driving innovation internally while still being cognizant of the need to drive innovation externally? So I think this is a, a really interesting question specifically for what we do, right? Um, and if you think about cross-chain messaging uh, and the ability to use what we've coined generalized message passing, this ability not just to send assets or NFTs across the network, but information. There's some really interesting use cases that externally we want people to be thinking about with something internally that we've already built. Um, and so there's so much growth that can come through that. But at the same time, like your question is suggesting, we can't stop at that. Uh, we have to be thinking internally as well about what is the next development? Uh, how do we support developers? How do we support users to create greater simplicity and you know further abstract away some of this clunkiness in the infrastructure of Web three? So um, you know I don't know. You know, there are, we can go into detail. A couple of things that we're thinking about, uh, but you know I think we are certainly thinking about that balance of you know making sure that we are not 
resting on what we've created thus far and, and innovating internally as much as we're pushing for it externally. Awesome. Uh, we know one of the things that you just launched actually is a validator program. What's the current status of that validator program and where do you see it in the next six months, the next 12 months? Yep. So Alani's been fantastic in helping us, you know, think about how you have a robust program. And we had what we coined our Genesis uh, program and we were kind of moving into phase two. So now that we've had this successful launch, we had capped the mainnet validators at 50. We'll be looking to this next phase, which will include increasing that number to 75 on mainnet, uh, as well as thinking about how we can get validators more involved uh, in what we're doing. And so some of that is kind of, I think, where this conversation is going to go, in fact. Awesome. Um uh, we also do want to ask you a little bit about your experience with the cash. But before we jump into that, what's next for XLR? What should we look out for? Is there some of that detail you referenced that you want to throw in there for us? Yeah. Yeah, I think two things that are really exciting for the community. Um, one, we're going to see this generalized message passing between EVM and Cosmos available soon. From EVM to EVM is available now. I think uh, Greg even referenced interchain uh, accounts earlier, uh, which are a necessary step. So I think once we're able to do generalized message passing properly throughout, you know, from any of the chains that we connect, this is going to you know, create some really interesting features and use cases for developers. Um, so I think that's certainly one and that should be out uh, you know, before year end, uh, if not kind of sooner. Then we'll also be we're working right now on connecting, you know, I said a lot of Cosmos and a lot of EVM chains, connecting some really, you know, exciting new ones that are based on new smart contract languages. That includes the move chains in SWE and Aptos, uh, as well as, you know, some Rust and ZK based chains. And so it'll be really cool to see complete composability throughout the network uh, as messages are, you know, deriving from one language. And by the time they're reaching Akash on the other end, they're you know completely readable and and easy for developers and users to understand. Awesome. So it's always quite fun for us to to talk to our guests about how they heard about Akash. It's always a cool story or a fun story or interesting. So how did you first hear about Akash? <laughs> yeah, I guess this is a pretty good one. Boz, uh, <laughs> who uh, hopefully your whole community knows, COO at Akash, stopped by an Axelar side event that we were having down in Austin at Consensus. Um, and I think, you know, we had reached out about talking and uh, and we hit it off. And so I think, you know, we really, we started with the business, we got to know each other and we decided, you know, beyond maybe some simple use cases, how can we help bridge in assets that are necessary or use generalized message passing to help Akash onboard users that own non-native assets. Um, you know, what else can we do? Like, let's really stretch our thinking here. And so I think that's actually uh, what we're going to get into, which is an interest in how can we get an Axelar validator um, to run a node on the Akash network. Awesome. Yeah, they always are good stories. So uh, how has your experience with Akash been so far? What are your plans from here? And how do you envision this partnership scaling over the next six months, eight months? So I think, honestly, it runs perfectly in line with the developments that we were talking about. Uh, I think our hope in the near term 
is that we might be able to identify uh, a party that's validating for both Akash and Axelar and has a vested interest in seeing us be able to take advantage of the Akash uh, marketplace and run a node there. And then once generalized message passing between EVM and Cosmos is available, we should be able to create this one-click experience uh, where users that own non-native assets to Akash would be able to come in, click, uh, and compute. Uh, and you know what we're doing on the back end is helping the swaps happen without the user having to jump through those loops. And I think this could be really exciting for the development of the Akash marketplace. Yeah, absolutely. It's exciting. So um, a question for you. Over here at Akash, our ecosystem is thriving with projects building like Cloudmos and Predor and others. Are there any notable projects within the Axelar ecosystem that you'd like to share with the Akash community and the Cosmos community at large? Yeah, so it's uh, an important decision that I want to make to say, say that uh, Axelar is an overlay network. So we don't have a smart platform in the way that you know, we're not in the system necessarily of applications that are being built on top of our chain. Uh, applications can be built with you know our APIs or, or SDKs integrated and then they choose another la layer one where they want to deploy. Um, but with that said, it, there are still some applications that have either come through our grants program We've been working a long time at figuring out how to create an interoperable application. And so, you know, one of them certainly, you know, worth highlighting is Squid, which is, you know, delivering cross-chain native swaps for on top of Axlar. And so actually that example I gave before of how do you create this like one-click on-ramp despite maybe not holding a native wallet or native asset, that's actually something that's going to be able to deliver. And Axelar is just the infrastructure that's helping to power the cross-chain sweater taking place there. So I think everyone look out. Squid should be reaching mainnet very soon. Uh, and as soon as we have generalized message passing, you know, you could sleep across the network. I think I see a lot of traction for that application. Awesome. Always great to check out new projects. Um, James, for our last question, I'd love to hear your thoughts and also have Greg share any of his thoughts on one last final thing. We recently spoke to one of our guests about how diversity is critical to scale and adoption in Web3, but that's probably not the only thing that's vital. Um, what I'd like to ask you is how critical do you believe interoperability is for Web3 to scale? How do you encourage it? How will it impact the evolution of Web3? And how does this tie into a very exciting announcement you guys recently made? I mean, we absolutely think it's critical, of course. Um, you know, there is a, a ceiling on Web3 users and what everyone kind of talks about, getting that next million, billion users on here. As long as, you know, the infrastructure is as kind of clunky as it is now, uh, it's always going to be technologists that really have maybe a passion for this, that are willing to jump through those loops. But how do we create something more similar to Web2, where the relationship is between users and applications, and the networking and the routing that takes place you know, behind the scenes has been abstracted away. And that's how we saw mass adoption of the internet and Web 2.0, and that's what we need for Web 3.0. So um, we absolutely think interoperability is critical to getting there. We're hoping to help solve the problem. 
Um, you recently said that uh, you guys announced uh, Interop Summit in Miami. Could you tell us a little bit more about that? What's going on there? When's it going on? How does it relate to interoperability and its importance to scale Web3? Absolutely. We want to bring developers together um, to learn and to build thinking about you know, what the major issues um, and blockers are when it comes to building you know, complete interoperable applications. And so this is gonna be really the first gathering for builders that are creating dApps that span the whole of Web3. And we wanna bring people together from every ecosystem for workshops, panels, uh, and some celebration of a multi-gen future. And our thought behind it is, it's really about the Interop Summit, not necessarily the Axelar Summit that you know, puts rise for everyone that's trying to help build a multi-chain future, we want you there. We want you talking about your product, your service, how you're attempting to solve the issue. Um, and we're really excited about it. On February 20th, the 22nd, uh, at the Fountain Blue Resort in Miami Beach, everyone can purchase early bird tickets now. Uh, but, you know, super, super excited. And I actually hope to have Greg speaking there. So that's my invitation, Greg. Awesome. Uh, when is it again? Right. February twentieth to twenty second. Yeah, I should be able to do that. That'd be that'd be great. Everyone heard that. Now he's committed. Yeah, no, it's awesome. I'll make sure he's there. Miami's my hometown. Greg's got to go. He's going. <laughs> also, That's another awesome. thing I think we didn't we didn't talk. I don't think you guys know about it, but uh, we're actually getting prepared. I mean, kind of talked about it, but we haven't really put a lot of. Uh, Fuel on it that uh, we're, we're looking at supporting USDC payments on a cash uh, very soon. So, I mean, we talked about stable payments, but you know, I think uh, we all internally kind of like came to consensus that USDC would be great and it'd be great. I mean, obviously, XLR is going to be the the, the USDC uh, enablement for a cash. So, lots of good things coming as well. That's awesome. Um, yeah, I think that uh, that's probably the last thing I, I would. I would push, um, which is related to what Greg's saying, which is Axelar enabling composable USDC. And we you know, posted an article uh, guest feature on Circle that also um, would suggest that everybody checks out that talks about how we'll be working with their CCTP uh, cross-chain uh, transfer protocol. Really, really exciting stuff. Yep. Awesome. That's awesome, guys. So, James, where can we go to learn more about Axelar? Where do we follow you guys? How do we keep up? Absolutely. Everyone can head uh, network for one. Um, you can join us on Discord and Twitter, Axelar Core. Um, and for developers out there that are really interested in learning how to build and using our API, suggest you check out uh, docs.axelar.dev. Awesome. With that, um, let's open up our AMA with questions for Greg and our guest. Um, we have our first question from the Happy Investor. I know I saw him here on the call, but uh, you may not be able to unmute. Oh, there he is. Hey there. Happy to see you again. Welcome. We'll get you set up here. If anything's wrong with your mic, no worries. We've got your question here. We'll give him a second there to connect. Hello, how are you? Go ahead, happy investor. Oh, 
Seems you might be unable to unmute. So how about, how oh, about there he goes. Yeah, we're good. We can hear you loud and clear. Happy to have you. Sorry. Hi, Nadia. Hi, Greg. Hi, James. It's very nice to say hello to Greg and Anil a month ago in New York. Um, I, I was. I just had a question about the analytics metrics. They they seem quite flat over the last year. Is this is this bear market stuff? Is this the the slow transition from Web two to Web three, which could obviously take will obviously take many many years? Or are you concerned by this sort of lack of adoption? Or I just wanted to hear your your thoughts on the metrics for the past year. We'll give Greg a chance there to to unmute. I'm sorry. Hey, good question. Happy investor. Uh, the question to summarize is Akash active applications has been essentially trending sideways, right? Um, that means the, uh, the new, no new net new applications are essentially zero, right? That means um, there are like applications that are, you know, uh, leaving Akash and the applications that are coming Akash are basically the same. And the reason for that is, I mean, we have several reasons, right? Um, and before we get into reasons, am I concerned? Not, not, not really, because these metrics are so uh, early that quantitativeness doesn't really tell us a full story. And actual applications are not the, uh, the most accurate way of measuring uh, the adoption, right? So, um, so, um, so that comes to like, okay, so why, why are people churning is, like I said, there is a general lack of engagement infrastructure. The biggest reason why people leave Akash is they run out of money. Like, it's really that dumb. They run out of money in their, uh, that they're supposed to deposit. For those of you don't, that don't know how Akash works is, you, um, it's a prepaid system, right? So you essentially fund a deployment by transferring AKT from your, um, from your wallet to uh, the Akash deployment wallet, and you get X amount of days. Usually I think like if you do five AKT for my blog, I remember you get about 15 to 20 days before you should re-up. And people forget to re-up and the deployment goes out of, uh, uh, you know, goes out basically, it becomes inactive, and then that causes a whole lot of like frustration. People think Akash is not working, and then they leave. So that's been our biggest like challenge to solve. The the one way, the way to solve is like, hey, in the ideal world, you'd be like, I don't care about like re-upping. Just take my credit card and do it, right? I mean, that's how you're used to in the real world, uh, in non, I mean, real in sense the Web two world. We don't have credit cards in Web3. We don't have emails in Web3. So how are we solving it? Through several mechanisms, right? So one is obviously there's a community-led effort. CloudMoss is being one of the key uh, contributors and key innovators in this area. They've recently launched alerts. Alerts hopefully will let you, you know, will uh, let us churn, not less, right? So, and, uh, and uh, so hopefully we'll see a lot of improvement there. And second big uh, reason for uh, for adoption is, um, and this is more of an inhibitor, is lack of stable payments, right? The lack of certainty, right? So what that means is if AKT on both on the provider side and the payer side, on the tenant side. So there is no 
sustainable way to either pay for stuff or earn stuff on provider side. So that creates a lot of friction when it comes to like renewing a cash and whatnot. So we're solving that by introducing stable payments and that's potentially coming up in the next minute, right? And um, and and third is just a lack of uh, automation or lack of knowing how to automate for uh, fault tolerance, right? So a lot of times when people deploy uh, in a cash uh, deployment uh, application, they optimize for a single instance instead of having a a, a, a threshold that's ideal for fault tolerant events. Like ideally, my blog, for example, it's been running on a cash forever, but it runs on three different regions. So one of the provider goes down, and there are two other regions that can pick it up from. But most people are not aware on how to do this multi-regional deployment. And for that, it's, it's a lot of the user interface, right? So Yes, Akash has been, um, while we've been getting new applications, we've also been losing applications. So that's why the numbers are flat. And it's not because we're not getting adoption. It's just a loss and the churn is fairly high. And, 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 and it's one of those things people don't talk about. Uh, and churn in like, and this is not only a cash problem, it's across the board. Of course, you're, uh, you know, uh, naturally when the, I mean, the adoption has obviously like been slower in a bear market because, Less people are aware of a cash. Less people want to hold a cash uh, tokens in a bear market, and there's, there's that contributing factor as well. But I think churn has been a larger contributing factor for a flat adoption curve. Does that answer your question? That's pretty good. Thanks, Greg. And uh, and there's a lot of efforts, right? So to increase adoption, yeah. First, there are two ways we can primarily at at a high level we can, we we can and uh, we can categorize that first we do. One category is Akash Overclock Labs, the company pushing forward, right? What are we going to do? Well, we identify key areas like churn, notifications, and whatnot. For credit cards, we're actually, um, if you remember the last minute, we introduced uh, the idea of authorized spend. So the idea of authorized spend is to allow decoupled payments from operational accounts. So with that, we'll be able to, you know, um, You'll be able to actually have credit cards and custodial service that lets you pay uh, cash deployments using credit card, right? Now we'll have USDC enabled very, very soon. So you'll have a lot more sustainable, consistent payment mechanism for a cash that is very similar to how you would use a Web3 cloud. Again, having credit cards means it's not fully Web3. So it is a, um, it is a custodial solution, but it solves the problem. So we're building that. The first version of this system that we, we, we think about credit cards uh, is going to be out in another uh, three to four weeks. Uh, it's called Overclock Console. It's a product built by Overclock Labs. So that gives you an idea as to how you can, you know, simply deploy using a cash. It's a opinionated deployment mechanism. So you should see a lot of improvements. And that also solves for user interfaces, right? So your uh, Overclock Labs, you know, uh, is building a user interface that'll uh, essentially optimize great for like launching like blockchain nodes, but also like gives you a better ability to have multiple regions and whatnot. So you're going to be able to solve like this like fault tolerant uh, scenarios really about with with Overclock Console. So there's a lot of effort happening from the core team, but more more effort is happening from our, our uh, ecosystem, right? So we're seeing uh, we're seeing uh, CloudMoss obviously doing incredible updates. We're seeing Speron, we're seeing Vixilo, and soon we'll see uh, Third Web and the others integrating really deeply from a demand side, right? So, uh, so this is um, so uh, 
I think like that is going to start. So as these integrations are, uh, we'll, we'll get into productions, we're going to start seeing quite a lot of adoption come from these ecosystem players as well. And from the demand side, there's a lot more happening, right? So um, we're super, super excited from a GPU standpoint, right? So why? Because like so far, Akash is just really trying to play the parity game, right? Our the parity game in the sense like, can we give capabilities of the current cloud provider? So every other feature we launch, we're trying to get capabilities or parity, right? With GPUs, we'll start seeing superiority, right? That means for the first time, you'll see Akash deliver something the current cloud does not have, which is an open market for GPUs, right? So there we'll start seeing a little drift off from the parity game to like superiority game where, hey, we're offering GPUs for 20% cheaper and there's ubiquitous amount of GPUs all the way from you know, miners, proof of stake miners, uh, you know, moving to like proof, sorry, proof of work miners, uh, you know, after the post merge, moving to proof of stake to max having very powerful GPUs. And uh, so we're sort of like getting into like this, this incredible new area um, of, um, 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 of, uh, you know, uh, superiority uh, from the cloud. Uh, so that will uh, contribute heavily for adoption. So yes, the numbers right now are very early stage. It should not be a thing that should be a point of focus, but rather look at who is using and how they're using and how one of these players are going to take a cost exponential. If you think about it, if you had to like drop hair off to the 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 uh, to the you know the previous the traditional cloud. Uh, you know, Amazon, if you look at their, their growth trajectory, it hasn't been, you know, a, a linear one. It's always non-linear, right? So you'll have, like, slow, like, growth for a, for a long time, and then you'll have some critical event that takes you to the next level. A critical event that took Amazon to the next level is Netflix. You remember, Netflix was the first company. Basically, Netflix was a small company back then. I mean, that's a startup. Essentially, they said, hey, look, we're going to use um, Amazon to get a competitive advantage when it comes to uh, streaming, uh, scaling streaming, uh, uh, no, scaling streaming, right? And they did a good job. So that one story put Amazon on a different planet, right? So similarly, Akash, the story is going to be one of the users on Akash, one of the companies that are built on Akash, doing right. incredible things to get a competitive advantage over the or you know, or their uh, uh, competitors that are using the traditional cloud, and those stories are going to get a cash, and then you'll see exponential. So I think we, we're gonna we're gonna see GPUs. I think uh, really deliver that 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 Netflix for a cash. So yes, a lot of the lot of the metrics right now don't really matter uh, because they're tiny, they're small. Any marginal change is going to be like, you know, you know, it's great we can celebrate all the marginal changes, but hey, you know, if tomorrow like a, a I don't know, Chia miners decided to like run on a cash, suddenly the active workloads go like double and your AKD spend kind of doubles up. Those really doesn't matter because they're very, very tiny, you know, when it compares compared to what the, what the potential is. And it's super <clears throat> important for us to stay focused on these critical use cases, the Netflix of the uh, Netflix of the Web3, you know. Uh, I'm not saying music streaming, but I'm trying to say like the Netflix moment we, uh, we, we had to optimize for. Right. Hopefully that answers your question. Thank you. And all those initiatives, uh, the, the stable coin payments, uh, the, 
the, the improved automation, the improved inter user interface. And this is all coming over the next few months, I guess. Oh, well, not a few months. I mean, sure, if you have magic. Uh... <laughs> well, so the next few months will be a little, little bit optimistic. Okay. Um, you know, next few quarters, right? So we need, uh, we need, there's a lot of things in order to get to parity and superiority. So you need stable payments, uh, you need GPUs, you need observability, you need automation, you need identity management, you need access control. So with these set of features, we'll have parity with the cloud, right? So that is, uh, I mean, on the roadmap, essentially, we'll be delivering, but uh, we're not like, um, uh, we're not saying that you need all these for like getting like, uh, you know, uh, functionality, but I think GPUs, which is next, right? Next on the roadmap after mainnet four, uh, GPUs are the are are the foundation for for I think the key adoption, right? So we can have GPUs without having access control, for example. You know what, I mean? what I mean, like so, like um, I mean, these are even though it'd be nice to have access control for the other workloads, observability for other workloads, but GPUs alone will deliver quite a lot. Of uh, quite a lot of functionality and quite a lot of adoption for cash, right? So, mm -hmm. yes, all these features are required for us to uh, get parity with the cloud and then comfortably go to a big major, uh, you know, Fortune 10 company or Fortune 50 company and be like, hey, move all your workloads to cash because now you have all the capabilities that are cash me. I mean, that you need to run, right? So, um, yeah, and that's uh, that's not the next few months. I mean, it's going to be next few years, right? So, but next few quarters would be uh would be a better one um yeah it's on the roadmap though awesome a lot of interesting stuff on the roadmap for sure thanks for the answer uh thanks for the question yeah thanks happy investor always great to have you we are just about out of time but i i did want to acknowledge um two other questions that came in um marty og Greg actually answered your question in detail during his updates. Marty OG had asked, what are the main upgrades that are being made in mainnet 4 for Akash Network? And for Ray, Greg just touched on your question as well. He had asked about our long-term plans, how or perhaps through big partnerships do we plan on passing our product onto normal or especially non-crypto people? And I can expand and summarize the question, yeah. the answer to the question. So yeah. I'm going to talk about it, touch about it a few separate ways. But really, if it, our strategy is, um, like, I think, like, can be categorized into three main phases, you know, the so three main phases to, to mass adoption, right? Um, and this is multi-year strategy. It's not like, you know, a bunch of partnerships here and there will get us to the next level. No, it's a multi-year strategy, it's a long-term strategy. The first, strategy, the first phase was foundational security, right? So uh, Akash network being a decentralized network needs to be secure at a fundamental level, a consensus level, at availability level, and it should be resilient, it should function, it should not go down, it should be secure, non hackable yeah, yeah, yeah. We've achieved that with mainnet one, we were able to lay a foundation uh, Akash was the first IBC chain to launch. So we were first and first. We were we started working with Cosmos in 2018, uh, and you know we launched the IBC uh, enabled chain in 20, 2020. Uh, and Osmosis, you know, if you remember, listed Akash when they launched 
uh, Osmos is Akash was the first um, blockchain that supported. So that, you know, the liquidity and all that were established for Akash. Uh, so that then, so that we can move on to the second phase uh, of adoption, which is parity, right? So right now we're in platform parity, right? Platform parity in the sense, uh, we when we launched Akash, we didn't wait for all the features to be built, but we launched with FM role uh, state management, really optimized for running uh, state light workloads in the sense your application doesn't have a database. It's great to run Akash. The moment you have a database, it gets complicated because there's no storage. So, and then we launched the storage, right? And now we're launching IP addresses. Next, we're launching, you know, GPUs. And soon after, we'll be launching access control, observability, uh, you know, automation and managed backend services and whatnot. So these set of features will get us to parity with the cloud in the sense that we can comfortably go to large companies and have them move all their workloads or some of the workloads to Akash without having to compromise on Akash. So Akash doesn't have all the bells and whistles and Amazon and the Googles have. I mean, Akash does a few things really well, obviously it doesn't do, it doesn't have auto scaling. It doesn't have a lot of these normal things you expect. It doesn't have automation, right? It doesn't have uh, you know, a good way to stream events, right? So you know, all these things that you would expect in a traditional cloud, Akash doesn't have. And that's okay. We're not going to wait for all these features to be built to be able to to get users and ship product, or else we'll never ship product. So, and it's such a complex, complicated machine to build a cloud from scratch, uh, you know, you just can't expect to have everything on day one to launch, right? So, so once we get to parity, the goal is to support all the things the cloud supports and much more. So much more in the sense like an open GPU marketplace, an open IP address marketplace, an open access protocol, right? So overall, and then we get into this thing called, um, this thing called superiority. So by the time you're done with parity, you can expect at least a thousand different providers all having, that means thousand different regions, Akash will be the most distributed cloud in the world and that's fully open, fully permissionless, and fully self-sovereign with all the capabilities that you would need in a traditional cloud, right? So that gets into uh, possibilities like innovation beyond our imagination. Like things, what can you do with, with thousands of regions across the world? Uh, you can do low-level latency, for example. You can do like gaming, cloud gaming, right? You could do a lot of the things that you couldn't do right now with a cloud, right? So that's at a high level. So as we keep like, delivering the plan, we start targeting workloads. The first obvious you know, set of market target has been Cosmos because we are local, this is our ecosystem, and, this is our, and people don't need to change a lot of the behavior to use Akash, right? So you have a capital wallet, you should be able to use Akash, right? So we're delivering um, a, 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 a first product that actually uses Kepler wallet for the web to be able to deploy workloads with overclock console, we have CloudMOS and all that, you know, doing a great job there. So that opens up obviously Cosmos. You can do other non-Cosmos stuff, but not in a great way. Now we have IP addresses and, and persistent storage. That allows us to do nodes like Ethereum nodes and unlock Ethereum and Solana ecosystem in orbit, right? So now we get into a larger web three, right? So far, I believe like about 25% of Cosmos uses Akash in one form or the other. And as we get into the second phase, we'll see similar patterns in Web3, right? So the next few months, maybe in a year out, we're going to be hyper-focused on 
going beyond Cosmos and going into the broader web ecosystem. After that, with GPU unlock, or with GPU enablement, we'll unlock machine learning. Now we get into territory of this massive underserved market that's struggling. And I talk to people from big cloud providers to small ones to everybody, and no, everybody is struggling to get GPUs. Right? GPUs are still five x mark, uh, you know, five x price from their market. Right, so it's still very hard to get GPUs, and Akash is the only way that can tap into unused GPU capacity for GP GPUs in the sense of general purpose. These are not mining GPUs; these are general purpose GPUs that allows you to run TensorFlow or machine learning applications. Right, this is the first time an open platform can do that. Right, so um, so we'll be able to unlock high performance uh, workloads. And after that, as we build up the rest of the features, by the time we are done with Parity, we'll be able to support serverless low-code, no-code capability, right? So now we get into the second phase. That means now we can support all the use cases way better than the current cloud. And now what you can do with superiority, right? So if you had to like put Akash in a larger place, Akash is the idea of a super cloud. A super cloud is a coin uh, term by Cornell University in 2016 that essentially talks about, look, cloud, and this has been our thesis for a long time. We wrote our papers and whatnot. I mean, we talked about super cloud in our 2020 white paper. The idea is as cloud gets, you know, as users start, you know, from the cloud, you know, start, um, you know, scaling, it becomes like very prohibitive, right? So that's why companies like Hey.com and all these like, you know, Dropbox and all these talk about like how cloud is not the ideal uh, way to like infrastructure at, at a certain scale. They tend to move to their own data centers. But with, with data centers, you don't, you don't get, get the scalable, you don't get the flexibility to scale, right? Putting a new box in a data center takes you forever. It takes you like a month or two month activity, right? So data centers are great to get sovereignty, but they're not good to scale, right? So that's why Akash, uh, the idea of a super cloud came about where you can have a heterogeneous resource set and give a homogeneous layer that addresses all the functionality of the cloud from deployment, scheduling, to fault tolerance, to observability, to, to automation, and, and, and all the good things that you need to a cloud at a much higher level abstraction. Gives you a homogenous way to do that in a heterogeneous, uh, heterogeneous uh, resource set. That's what a super cloud is. Akash is the first commercial implementation of a super cloud, right? So this is essentially the cloud evolves. How you think about cloud in a, in a modern sense is not how you think about cloud in the web two steps. You gotta rethink these things. And Akash has taken a very innovative uh, approach and essentially implemented the first super cloud. So that's how we take on the mainstream and say it's a multi-year, multi-front strategy, uh, if you understand. Thanks so much, Greg. Um, with that, let's go ahead and wrap up. Thank you so much for joining us, James. Thanks for stopping by. Uh, Absolutely. Thank you guys for having me. Awesome. Uh, thanks so much to Greg for joining us on Spaces today and for taking time to answer questions. And a huge thank you to all of you guys for joining today or listening to this later on. Before we get together next time, Greg, anything to add? Um, that's good for now. It's great. Yeah. Great, great, great. <laughs> Awesome. Okay. So guys, let's keep in touch between spaces right now. Go sign up for our newsletter at akashnetwork.substack.com. 
In the about page, Zach's got a link to the blog. Check out our latest post and get to know our community better and check out insider spotlights on Delray and Rodri. Uh, we're excited to announce Mainnet 4. Keep an eye out for updates surrounding Mainnet 4 in the coming weeks. Don't forget to head over to Telegram on Friday at 9 a.m. Pacific, where Smart Stake Validators will join us for an AMA with a 300 AKT prize pool for the best questions. On Tuesdays, don't forget to hop over to Discord for quizzes at 8 a.m. Pacific with 200 AKT in rewards and five winners. Join us next week, Wednesday at 8 a.m. Pacific for our next Akash Weekly Spaces with Greg. Tap that set reminder button as soon as we post it. Be sure to try Akash for yourself. Check out our documentation to deploy at docs.akash.network. If you would like a little bit more support during your deployment, join our Discord group. You'll meet insiders and others there to help. You could also watch Alani Kuye, Technical Program Manager here at Overclock, walk you through your first deployment on our YouTube channel. Thank you so much for joining today's event. Thanks again to Greg and James for spending time with us. See you next Wednesday with Greg at 8 a.m. Pacific. Thanks for checking out another episode of The Ether. That was Akash Weekly with Greg Asuri featuring James Friel from Axelar. Recorded on Wednesday, October 26th, 2022. For TerraSpaces.org, I'm Finn. Thanks for listening. And if you want to keep listening, head on over to TerraSpaces.org slash donate and show some support. They say rapping is the gateway, bringing home great pay, checking that replay, sing along and we say nobody gives a fuck around my way. I make about three bucks for every thousand plays, so add it up and do the math on that. Financially speaking, why the fuck would anybody want to rap? But in this reality, the money comes from doing shows, but then where's the money go when you can't do the shows? I guess you could rap on Cameo. I've been asking all my friends if I can rap on the patio. Six feet, motherfucker, step the fuck back. Doing a little magic, pulling rabbits out the rucksack. Not everybody's always in it for the money. Looking like another crooked Sunday, and I'm working Monday. So you know I ain't stressing, left debating great methods. Amazed to play Inception, the base state blessed. See, even with these huge sums of overall royalties, huge sums of money that go to the record label per playback can seem insultingly small. small. Many rights holders are making around three quarters of a cent. How to turn a profit, their future will always be in question. But for now, investors see enough potential to continue to Another day, another lesson. Living in the eighth dimension might be worth a little mention. Living in the Great Depression, got a real regal feel. Reeling in another sucker fish out to make a deal just to make a motherfucker wish. Aw, shit, now you only got two left. You know what I wish? We didn't have any loose ends. You know what I miss? Listening to excuses. Now we're on the fence like we forgot how to choose. That's what happens when people don't know what's true In the dark eating bullshit up like a mushroom In the lunchroom just trying to laugh it off Meanwhile foaming at the mouth like a rabid dog Like a fake mating call at the zoo It's looking like the view is getting disappointed too I'm working on the new shit, trying to produce it It's what I'm willing to go through when I'm making my music
Two spaces.